Welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast, a Kins 5 podcast on your San Antonio Spurs and NBA basketball. I'm Kins 5 digital executive producer Jackson Floyd, joined today by sports anchor Evan Klosky. And what up? Evan, we're going to do a lot of DeMar DeRozan conversation on yeah, this podcast. He deserves it. Dude, he's been elite uh, this whole season, over the last 12 games specifically. I mean, friend of the pod, Cameron Song- Songer, brought up the stat that compared him to Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. You know, over the last 12 games, he's one of two players, including Jordan, 20-plus points, three-plus assists, shooting over 50% from the field, he's elite. Yeah, I am wondering how long this wave is going to last and if it can continue. Uh, But he is at the point where you're watching games and you're essentially just counting every bucket to go. When he missed a shot last night against the Heat, uh, it was in the fourth quarter and they needed a bucket, I was just like... Dang, like they really needed that bucket. I'm like, I can't be mad at you, Demar. Like you never miss any shots anymore. I mean, and he's he's not hitting these wide open jumpers too. I mean, it's part of it and getting in the lane and the restricted area and higher probability shots. But I mean, he's making contested floaters, yeah. uh, hand in his face sort of stuff. So uh, I cannot speak more highly about Demar Derozan. I know we're gonna make a case for him to be in the All Star game yeah. here soon. Let's take a look at the last three games specifically for the San Antonio Spurs, in which I mean this team couldn't capitalize on this exceptional play from DeMar, only going one and two. And I do want to mention that very quickly is despite the fact that DeMar DeRozan is playing out of his mind right now, the Spurs are still pretty much a 500 team throughout this entire stretch. It just... Yeah, uh, it just frustrates you constantly. It's like I don't know what this team has to do to go on a run. They just can't do it, and and of course the the parity in the league makes that really tough to kind of shoot in a run, especially when their big run should have been early in the year when they played a bunch of um, non playoff teams. I'll say yeah. uh, for a stretch. And, uh, you know, it starts with Memphis, a team who is pretty much their equal. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be an important game down the road in terms of seeding, you have to think, because these are two teams vying for this eighth seed. Memphis has a win over us that could have gone the other way, that could have pushed us more into that mm-hmm. eighth seed spot. Uh, the Grizzlies are the team kind of occupying that eighth seed right now. Uh, and led by John Morant, uh, outstanding rookie. I mean, he's made his case as rookie of the year. We'll talk about another rookie who, who might be coming back soon and might be making a push towards yeah. that later on in this podcast. But um, he uh, he. Could Cooked DeJounte Murray uh, the whole uh, yeah. game. 22 points, 14 assists. He's going to be really good. Ja Morant is a future perennial all-star, and everything that we talked about with him coming out of Murray State is so true to what he's doing. Uh, he is right up there with Luka Doncic as far as just phenomenal talents that you drop your, draw, uh, drop your jaw and just marvel at what he's doing. He's not as consistent as Doncic, but certainly has those wow moments, and he is going to be a problem in the Western Conference uh, for a long time. And with Memphis, the rebuilding process is really starting to come together. And it's, you know, if we would have talked last year, loss in Memphis, Memphis, uh, you would have said that's a terrible loss. I mean, I would argue that the first loss at home to Memphis was a bad loss. Yeah, Should have won a that game. Loss too, yeah, yeah, they uh, they were not the same team that they are today but this is a team hanging right in that eight seed fighting for a playoff spot and they're hot right now you yeah. played them at the wrong time where would you rank their young core uh in, in the in the the pantheon of elite young cores in the league right now um that's a very good question i, I mean the grizz are gonna be up there I, I need to see one or two pieces they surround them mm-hmm. with but they can certainly do that and i don't know what that piece is going to look like of course because free agency isn't what it's supposed to be do you go after a guy like like DeMar, does he help having a ball-dominant guard like that with this young core? But when you talk about John Morant, uh, Jaron Jackson, who has the ugliest, best shot, I guess, you watch this guy shoot. uh, Who taught him how to shoot? But it works for him. Uh, Unbelievable. It's like he's a chucker. Um, And then you also get Brandon Clark, who is a guy that uh, I want to just get this off because a lot of people bring up (laughs) Brandon Clark for the Spurs because the Spurs took Luka Shamanich over Brandon Clark. And I'll say this right now, Brandon Clark was game ready immediately. If the Spurs wanted that, they could have gotten that. Lukas Shamanich, his ceiling is way higher than Brandon Clark. So while I think Brandon Clark is a phenomenal player out of Gonzaga, uh, someone who is going to hang around the league for a little while, kind of similar to Montrez Harrell a little bit. Those were the comps that I was seeing when he was coming out of college. Uh, Nonetheless, he doesn't move the meter 
as much as you would like when you're drafting in the first round. And if you're the San Antonio Spurs a mid-sized market, you're not looking for a complimentary piece. You're looking for a future superstar. Yeah. Shamanich has that potential. Brandon Clark is not a superstar, but he is a very darn good player. Dylan Brooks getting hot from three. So, I mean, Memphis has a lot of things going for them right now, and if they can build around that properly, uh, they'll be right up in there as creeping up into like a four, five seed, I think, when they reach their peak, maybe yeah. even a three. I mean, it's shades of the the Westbrook-Durant early years in the Thunder, where he's this young core is kind of creeping up in the standings. Mm-hmm. If they make the playoffs, they might be a team that surprises a, a one seed, kind of pushes them to seven or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, the future is still bright for this yeah, team, I the, think. Yeah. The only difference is when you had Durant and Westbrook, those are two guys who can score. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say John Moran is sort of like Russell Westbrook, uh, way better. I shouldn't say way better. Russ is a pretty good passer. <laughs> uh, very much like Russell Westbrook, except at Russ's peak, I don't think Morant can match his scoring ability. Yeah. Maybe he gets there, um, but that is sort of the, you know, I'm, I'm being very tic-tac-y here. But when you, you need that second piece, who is that second perennial all-star to ride with Morant? Because Jackson is awesome. I, I love Brandon Clark. I like Dylan Brooks. But none of these guys wow you. Yeah. And if you're going to make a run for a title... John Morant needs another all-star next one. So what really wowed me in this Memphis game is that the Spurs are out-rebounded. I mean, it's, it's something that in the last month they've done really well is mm-hmm. rebounding, especially on the defensive side, eliminating those second-chance points. I believe it was against uh, was it against the Celtics. The Celtics only had three or five second-chance points, single-digit second-chance yeah. points for the whole game. Uh, Memphis had 25 second-chance points in this game, and that, that clearly made a difference, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean— the game, look, the Spurs scored 121 points, and we're going to talk about the Heat game, but uh, this was a game where you give up 134 and 25, I think you mentioned, yeah. uh, came off second chance points. I mean, if you limit that uh, to 10, if you limit that to 10, you win this game. So it, it was just, you know, there's still sort of a grit and grind sort of team there in Memphis, and I think they just worked harder all night consistently, and that has always been the thing I've talked about with the Spurs, is that night in, night out, it's a grind for them, and coming in every night, working their tails off to get those loose balls, to get those 50-50 balls, they didn't get enough of them, maybe not even 10% of them. Memphis was all over the floor, they really wanted that win, and it showed, And, and the Spurs shot great. I mean, when the Spurs hit 17 three-pointers, I expect them to win games. Yeah. You know? And by the way, by the way, I'm pretty sure this is one of the rare, rare, rare exceptions to when LaMarcus Aldridge scores 20 or more points, DeMar DeRozan has six or more assists, and Patty Mills hits two or more threes, that you lose. Those are essentially auto wins. We cl- crossed the Klosky threshold did. right there, it, yeah. It, it, it's, not, uh, <laughs> it's, it's not infallible, okay? There are situations where it can be a loss, and it takes an extreme circumstance where you lose by 20 points and second-half points, where you get out-rebounded by 12. A Spurs team getting out-rebounded, uh, that is unheard of. Yeah. And then the offensive rebounds, I mean, Memphis got 11. Yeah. Problem that that's a big problem, big time problem, and you can't win many games when you just let teams get easy put back buckets because those second chance points a lot of the times are layups. Yeah, right so, there at the rim. You know, or that's kick out open threes. So yeah. you know, I mean, credit to Memphis this entire game. I don't think that was necessarily. I don't think this. Uh, the Spurs could have worked harder, and they. they I think they should have won this game, but it's certainly not an indictment on Memphis. They worked their tails off, and they earned that win. Yeah. And, and I tip my cap to Memphis. I, they wanted it more, and they earned it. And that's all I got for them. Uh, someone who really wanted a win in that next game is DeMar DeRozan. And his second return back to Toronto to face the Raptors, um, I mean, he was a standout in that second half. A little shaky in the first half, but kind of led this team, spurred the team to uh-huh. a second-half <laughs> comeback here. Uh, that doesn't get said too much around here, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean – <laughs> But yeah, this is a. Tr- uh, I mean, without this run at the end, they went eighteen and zero, I think, in a row. Seventeen and zero. It was there. a twenty-seven to four run. Jeez. So. Uh, without that, I mean, we're talking about an zero and three stretch here, and, and this, this, I don't know what happened at the end. If it was just when I mean, we switched to zone defense, uh, that kind of that kind of threw Toronto off their game. They weren't finding the shots in the same spot. But I mean, we had Marco, we had Patty Mills, we had Rudy Gay out in the court together playing defense. That's not normally a, a defensive lineup that you want out there. Uh, but it, it worked in this case. I think the 2-3 zone is Pop's way of mitigating the awful defensive lineup, which is 
Rudy, Marco, Bryn. Yeah. And you saw him go back to that against Miami, and I think it backfired a little bit. Yeah. Um, not that it was overall the difference in that game, but um, let me first get this out here. Marco had a great game. Yes. And you have to recognize that, okay? It's not always Marco's fault, and it <laughs> hasn't been for like 10 games now. You know, in the beginning, I heard you, I felt it, I said it too. It's, it's over. I don't want to hear about Marco anymore. He doesn't play significant minutes to affect the game that much, okay? And we'll get into that with the Heat game. Yeah. But uh, nonetheless, Marco hits a big shot there with 26 seconds left, hits a three-pointer, puts the team up two. Um, it's funny because when you look at Memphis and you look at Miami, those are the games I think the Spurs should have won on paper. And when you look at the Toronto game, it's a game they should have lost. So it's, it's really funny coming off the Memphis game where all the stats point in favor of like, well, I mean – Check, 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 check. Spurs should win this game. The Spurs hit seven three-pointers. They were outdueled from beyond the arc by 30 points. Yeah. When you lose by 30 points beyond the arc, you should not only lose, you should get blown out the building. And that's what was happening. And I credit the Spurs for just hanging in every time. I think it was like 24 to 13. And was going to run this in the first quarter. Yeah. They got it down to four. And then again, Toronto balloons the lead uh, to, to mid-double digits. And he got it down to, to four or six. And then Toronto eventually gets an 18-point lead. And boom, 27 to four London. And the Spurs go up by nine. And then Raptors hit back-to-back-to-back threes. And, and by the way, Pascal Siakam came back that game. Yeah, that was his back. return back to injury. I mean, they, they limited his minutes a little bit. He mm-hmm. only played 25 that game. But that's expected when you're coming back um. and, and again a positive trend though is, is even though it was wacky and I don't know how to how much to believe in the run and uh, the Raptors I think lost that game way more than the Spurs wanted though the 2-3 zone was certainly a tremendous move by Popovich to mitigate some things and really throw the Raptors off yeah um, I mean you gave up 104 points yeah, and, and the following night you gave up 106. So I mean, like these the are better de- defensive games than you, you, we've seen in the past. It's kind of shoring up a little. I know, bit, and right? that's but the problem because you came off the Memphis game, you gave up 130. Yeah, <laughs> it just like literally have no freaking idea what Spurs team are going to get on a given night. They can't put the pieces together consistently back to back to back to ride the good defense with the good offense and have a stellar performance. And I, I, we saw some of that yeah. in the win against Boston and all that stuff, but. It's just tiring. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned the move Pop made, and I mean, that's something that an all-time great coach like Popovich is going to do. He's going to win you some games sometimes mm-hmm. that you shouldn't win. Um, and yeah, I mean, a lot of people have been giving him some some grief about the lineups he's been playing. You know, maybe playing Bellinelli a little too much and starting Brin for 99% of the games mm-hmm. so far this season. Um, but he's still going to do something like switch to 2-3 zone, catch yeah. someone off guard by that, uh, make a move that's going to win you a game. And, and one other note from this game, something that was very important to Popovich, and he mentioned the Spurs and I, I think they did it a lot in the Memphis game, fouled way too much, brought them over to the line, mm-hmm. and that's easy points. In, a, in the game against the Raptors, the Spurs went 22-30 from the free throw line. The Raptors, 9-11. of 11. The Spurs are decreasing the fouls, yeah. which should help them long term, uh, especially you know people don't come off uh, the court, doesn't mess with rotations, but more importantly, you're not giving away free points. And uh, DeMar DeRozan, I mean, he only had three points at halftime. And just absolutely carries the Spurs in that comeback effort. And, uh, you know, he's, I mean, he's logging, I think, 35, uh, thir- yeah, he's logging like 35 minutes a night now. Yeah. I mean, they really are just. They're riding tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. It's, how, it's how they've won. The, uh, it's how they've won and lost over the yeah. last 12 mm-hmm. or so games. Uh, and, yeah, they lost to Miami, even though, I mean, he was good again in that game. Another stellar performance from him. He only missed two shots in the Miami game, which is insane. The, the problem here now, right, is. DeMar is awesome. Nobody, I mean, Patty Mills was great, too. He had five three-pointers. Yeah. DeMar and Patty did their job. Nobody else did. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, we talk about DeMar right now. Uh, he still has to put up 20. Yeah. Dude, you have to put up 20. I mean, he you was, should be averaging 20. You're, an all, you're a perennial all-star. Yeah. I mean, it's expected. If you use the second guy. Now, yeah. I don't know if that's part of his new role, moving to the outside. You know, he's still trying to figure out some things of, of how he's going to be effective in this new role. Yeah. But, I mean, go down the line, you know, Bryn came out hot, but then he, I mean, how many wide open threes did I witness in that game? The Spurs go 10 to 33 from deep. They lose the three point battle by 24 points, they only lose the game by six. Yeah. They wasted such a great defensive effort against a team, which I think is the best in the league at home, only one loss at home. They held him to 106, and it took Kendrick Nunn to have the game of his life. Yeah. And, and, um, and, uh, Dragic off the yeah. bench. Yeah. I mean, and so those two players, I mean, 
legit. It took two players for the Heat to keep them in it. I yeah, mean, it's, it's when you're getting less than. I mean, you're only getting 12 points from Jimmy Butler that game. The Spurs did a good job, kind of throwing him off his rhythm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the role players weren't there. I mean, we've talked a little bit about Bellinelli had a good game in Toronto. Uh, only played four minutes in this Miami game. It was a negative seven in the plus minus rating there. Yeah. Uh, just just a sieve on defense, and then only it was over two from and, three. And, and, and I do want to. Alert, you know, with the plus and minus, it is sometimes a good indicator, but sometimes it could be a little bit flawed. And I will say, it, not that he helped the cause because he didn't, but the problem was when Marco came in a game, DeMar came out. Yeah. So in that stretch, they had no scoring. So the fact is, he was minus seven, but the team only gave up. So here's the crazy thing about the Miami Heat game with 259 left in the third quarter, they had a six point lead. Okay. Then. They didn't score again till 5:42 in the fourth quarter, and they were still in it. Yeah, it wasn't they went a blowout, nine yeah. plus minutes without scoring, and they were only down by like yeah. six. The defense was so good. So I mean, of course you're gonna have a minus number when you don't score. Um, it's just the problem is when Mark is in the game, you are here to score. If you do not score for me, you are worthless to the cause. Yeah. That Bryn Forbes, I love you. One of you or Bryn have to figure out, uh, Bryn or Marco, one of you has to compete with who's going to hit three-pointers. The other one doesn't have to get on the court. Because you both, to me, are great offensive three-point shooters, mm-hmm. theoretically speaking. And you provide nothing on defense. You, that's just what you're a one-way player. Yeah. And that's... You can't have the team has a lot of one way players, and Pop is doing a pretty good job defensively figuring it out. Um, large sample size, we can always pick out a Memphis game or a Detroit Pistons game from before, like way back. But, um, I mean, in the end, this was you know, the Memphis game, I think they should have won. The Raptors game, they never should have sniffed the victory. And then this game, they were the I think they were the better team, yeah. But Kendrick Nunn was the best player that day, yeah. I mean, 33 points. 13 from 18 shooting, 5 from 8 from 3. He was nailing the three-pointer. Uh, He's a 33% three-point shooter. You just tip your cap. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you don't see a lot of games where we lose because our point guard defense was not good. I mean, but Nunn and Dragic were cooking out there. Yeah. In the game, if you tell me, look, uh, if you make a deal and say, hey, we're going to stop Jimmy Butler and we're going to make Kendrick Nunn and, and Drogic beat you, wouldn't you take that deal? Probably, yes. And <laughs> the fact is they did it. And, it, you know, in those scenarios, I, I literally just tip my cap. It, it's really – we can we – can har- like – I, these are NBA players, and NBA players sometimes can have big nights, and, yeah. and none was cooking. Drogic had it from deep. I wish they would have pressed up a little bit more. Yeah. I think they waited a little bit long saying, oh, we're going to have to change the game plan because they're starting to hit shots, um, even though none still found his. But whatever the game plan was, it worked. You know, sometimes you take a risk in saying, this guy has to beat me, and that's what happened, and you tip your cap. But scoring 100, you know, I'm sorry, you, when the Spurs hold the team to 106, you should win those games. Yeah, I expect this team to score like one twelve a night. So that should have been an easy win if they, you know, hit what, uh, three more threes. Yeah. So, if you sound frustrated, I think it's because they're kind of not. I mean, they're kind of missing their chance to win some games while Demar is elite. You don't know when that's going to fall off. Yep. Would you say? I mean, we're forty two, forty three games. We're at the halfway point here in the season. Is he an all-star halfway through the season? So it's very interesting, actually, because on Ken's 5, by the way, on the weekends, the ones that I anchor, if you want to watch. Um, my, <laughs> Tune my <in> every deep, <laughs> weekend. My deep dive, you know, just record it. If you don't want to stay up, just DVR it. Um, <laughs> so my deep dive, and, and I like to do these on the weekends. I have some time, especially, um, you know, if, if I find it pertinent and, and relevant, was, is, uh, is DeMar DeRozan an all-star? So let's go out of the way with the definites. And reminder, only 12 players will make the All-Star game. I look back at, at previous rosters. It does not seem like there's a six-guard, six-forward center sort of requirement. Yeah. I think they just take the best available. So. And five of those 12s are through the, the voting process yes. here. And the and, seven are chosen. Yeah. And, and I will say that the voting process, even though Alex Caruso is making a run, <laughs> uh, I do think that the voting process is not going to get someone in the game who doesn't deserve to be in the game. There's a little scare there with Taco Fall kind of rising yeah. up to the ranks, but he's, he's kind of returning. Yeah, at least he's on the yeah. East. There you go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's so, not going to um, affect Amar's chances. So, um, 
And, and look, if you need a guy who's going to lead a symphony, that's the guy I want. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, okay, here's the definites, all right? We got James Harden, Luka Doncic, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Nikola Jokic, and Damian Lillard. Seven guys, I think no one's going to argue that they deserve a spot in the game. You got five spots remaining. You have five spots remaining. So here are my next tier. And by the way, I'm not going to mention DeMar DeRozan, but he's obviously involved. This is just his competition. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, who I think is pretty close to get. I mean, he's close to the definites, but I just kind of leave him there. Yeah. Uh, Paul George, who numbers-wise should be there, especially defensively speaking, but he hasn't played that many games I always wonder how you judge that. Um, to a similar extent, Carl Anthony Towns, I think he's on the outside of he's missed mm-hmm. way too many games, or else he would have been a definite. Yeah. But, I mean, he's only played like 23 games. I can't reward you for that. And Paul George has missed uh, a month of action. I think he's missed like 13, 14, or 15 games. It's a lot. Um, so those are their knocks. Devin Booker, I think, definitely deserves it. But, um, you know... His defense is also, you know, if we're going to have the, he, him, and, him and DeMar have a very similar resume. So if, if you think that Devin Booker is a definite, I'm going to say then you should think that DeMar DeRozan is a definite. Mm-hmm. They're both one-way players. Devin Booker is maybe a little bit more of a scorer for the Suns. You know, uh, DeMar's averages aren't as high because he didn't start the season uh, like Booker nonetheless. Um, Brandon Ingram is a guy that I think deserves more love. I don't know if he's going to get it. Um, I put Russell Westbrook on this list. He's going to be a name because he's a name. I yeah. don't think he deserves it. His field goal percentage is trash. His three-point percentage is trash. Uh, he, he's, you know, James Harden's a stat stuffer, but he is elite. Yeah. I mean, he is elite, and his percentages are fine. I mean, shoots with well within reason. But, I mean, you know, there's a difference between, you know, putting up a bunch of shots and being effective and then putting up a bunch of shots and just putting up points. Mm-hmm. And I think the tipping point is Russell Westbrook, and not James Harden in that thing. Um, and then uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who I think is someone that I think is very close to making a run to the All-Star game. Um, in sort of my tier two, uh, Hassan Whiteside, um, Rudy Gobert, Montrezl Harrell, John Morant, and Chris Paul. Um, those are sort of the other names I have out there. I think um, how much weight, you know, Whiteside, Gobert, Harrell, they all have these great PERs because they're def- – defense is great how much do we weight defense in this that's up to the coaches if they need a big guy or something but those three have been phenomenal i mean whiteside's been extraordinary he's gonna get paid in the offseason uh and john morant i i i think the hype is there and he certainly has had great games i don't think the stats are necessarily all-star yet i think he probably needs a year um, and, and maybe, you know, uh, sort of an earn your stripe sort of thing mm-hmm. will wait to put you in. Yeah, there aren't too many rookies to make it. I know Doncic was there last year, but mm-hmm. historically, it's not like they put the two best rookies yeah. a year in the All-Star game. Yeah. They've got the Young Star game. He'll be there that weekend, you know, the rookies versus the second-year guys. So, I mean, it's not like you're going to miss out on having John Moran mm-hmm. highlights that All-Star weekend. Yeah. So. And, and so, you know, if you had to pick five, I mean, which five would you pick? Man, so I, I would definitely give it to Donovan Mitchell. Um, I'd give it to Devin Booker. I, I know you say player side, a uh, player position doesn't really factor mm-hmm. into this, but I mean, the, with the run the Jazz have been on, I think mm-hmm. Gobert kind of can make a little name there, get in that list. So that's three. Yeah. Uh, I like Brandon Ingram. I don't think the, the 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 rest of the league does, but he has been the guy in New Orleans. That team hasn't been as good as you'd expect them to be. Obviously, they're missing Zion Williamson, mm-hmm. but he's been a, a bright light there. And then yeah, DeRozan's that twelfth guy on the team. Yeah, and that's really what it comes down to. I mean. You know, if I was picking my five, there's the five that I would pick, and then there's the five that I assume that's going to be picked. Uh, my five would be Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker. Um, I like Gobert. Gobert or Whiteside, choose one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I also like Brandon Ingram. I do. I, Brandon Ingram. And then to me, it's DeMar fighting it out with SGA. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's the battle that I would be watching. Now, what I think is going to happen is Paul George is still going to get in the game. Matt's going to take a spot away. Um, if, if Westbrook gets in, DeMar won't. I just That's sort of where it is. And I, I just find it hard to believe that Westbrook's resume is more important than DeMar's when it comes to this. And, yeah. and the number, I mean, look, I can't argue for DeMar on defense. He's a one-way guy. But um, 
The stats are there. The run's there. He's one of the hottest players in the league, not the Western Conference, the league. Uh, his, his points per game is climbing now because of this run. Um, he, you know, we mentioned it in the last podcast, but he's one of two players shooting uh, above 50% from the field as a guard, mm-hmm. and he's only one of four above 48%, so it's a very rare error. And to score as much as he does and to shoot as much, like him and Booker are those two in the 50%, they shoot a high quantity. And to shoot above 50% as guards being the engines for their offense, like, that's amazing. So if the Spurs had a winning record, would you consider DeMar more of a lock? Yes. Yes. That is, when I did, I, I will also say this, when I did the deep dive, I did pros and I did cons. Con, defense for DeMar, I can't use that as an example. It's certainly demerit. The record for the Spurs, DeMar's been great. Hasn't mattered much, you know. Uh, Even when he's in his hot streak right now, they're a 500 team. So, I mean, really I can't say that his heat check is making the Spurs substantially better. It's maybe keeping them treading water, if anything. Um, So, you know, and I will say another thing for the pro-DeMar case. Him, Nikola Jokic, Donovan Mitchell – only ones in that whole list who have played every game this season. That's impressive. And the Spurs have been kind of relatively lucky this whole season. Lamar, LaMarcus Aldridge has missed three games due to injury, uh, and that's pretty much it. DeJounte stepped away for personal reasons for a game. It's been a really healthy yeah, team so I far. Yeah, I mean, DeJounte also missed uh, the back-to-backs that's early right, yeah. in the season. Um, I mean, really, I, I thought it was two games for LaMarcus. I think he, it was only two, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he came I, back think, I think he missed uh, the Pistons game, and he missed the one after that. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's really been it. I mean, it's, and that's the other thing, right? It's insane. The Spurs have been so dang healthy and it hasn't yeah. meant diddly squat. It hasn't meant anything. I know. And they're, 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 it's kind of wasting the opportunity with the, the healthy there, the healthiness of the team there with DeMar's playing there. How long can they keep that up? How long can DeMar be this superstar, this elite player, Jordan-esque, if you will? <laughs> I, there's a part of me that says regression will eventually come. And then there's another part of me that says if LaMarcus Aldridge is hanging by the three-pointer, then the easier shots are going to come as well. Yeah. So there's no reason to think that there should be a monster drop-off because DeMar is now having a clear lane, whereas he was sharing that with LaMarcus. So he was battling for tougher points. Right now, DeMar is sort of the... But, you know, they essentially handed the keys to DeMar, and they said, this is your offense. LaMarcus, you're going to the outside, and we're going to play the modern game. Yeah. And, I mean, to LaMarcus's credit, I think he's now eligible to be in the, the stat. <laughs> the stat uh, for the three-point attempts. Yeah, and he's yeah. Uh, ranked in the top five. Top five. He's in fourth, three point. I think? Yeah. He's 40% in the Miami game, so yeah. I mean, his stats didn't drop at all in that yeah, sense. Yeah, so, I mean, he's in the top five, which is amazing yeah. you know so hopefully this keeps the marcus in the league for a little bit longer you know honing in on that game and um so yeah i don't know could I mean, it be could it be contract year demar Derozan? you know there's all this conversation about the beginning of the season the spurs and demar were pretty far apart on yeah. what they thought his value was uh and i think demar is a guy who sees himself as a max player here mm-hmm. uh in the nba one of these elite guys who's worth a max contract he is the man when it comes to this coming upcoming off season you know when you look at the names of free agents uh-huh. he's the top of the list there the creme de la creme uh he's playing for a max contract essentially right yeah, it's it, this is such a a tough thing to go into because the Spurs are going to have to make a decision whether they want to go for the eighth seed and say we still give a crud about making the playoffs and we think we can give some teams fits, which I do think is possible. Yeah. Now they play the Lakers. I think to get one, maybe two. Um, you know, I don't think. They're gonna, unlike last year, I don't think they can luck into a seven. It seems like the top seven pretty much is it, what it is unless OKC has a, an injury or yeah. something where they just fall off the table. I don't know. Yeah. But um, they're going to have to make a decision on what they want to do. Do they want to make a run for the playoffs or do they want to sell high in DeMar? DeMar, the problem with DeMar and the contract situation is that on a championship caliber team, I think he's a third option. Yeah. On... This team, he's the number one option, and he's proving that he can play that role, but he doesn't have the defensive fortitude to hang on the opposite end, which is why he has to be the third role, because he's only a one-way player. You know, that's like Bryn. When you're trying to make Bryn more important than he should be, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, with DeMar, when you're hanging him around struggling defensive players, 
the other side is glaring, so now you're giving up more points. Even though you're getting a ton from him, you're giving up just as much. So you're wondering what it's going to look like for him to go to a certain team. It's got to be the right fit. I don't know what is going to happen with DeMar DeRozan in the offseason and with the Spurs. They have a tough call, and I mean, you know, I think if you knew right now that you're going to lose DeMar DeRozan, you would say, give me a young asset and a pick, and let's, let's get rolling and yeah. do the rebuild. And then there's also the egotistical side, and all of us to say, well, we don't want the 20-plus-year the run to end of yeah. making the playoffs. Exactly. I mean, we'll have to see if he can keep this run up over the next few games. The Spurs are going back. I mean, let's see. We've got the roster here the next three games. They're back home again for the Hawks. Then they got the Heat, and they hit the road again for the Suns and the Pelicans. Uh, and we're going to talk about a guy who's making his return in that Pelicans game after the break. So, hey, Evan, the San Antonio Spurs are going to pay homage to indigenous cultures across the globe when the team hosts the Miami Heat during Indigenous Night on Sunday, January 9th. 10,000 fans, the first 10,000 fans, get this incredible Patty Mills bobblehead. He's got the flags of his, uh, his Aboriginal cultures, Torres Island Strait, strapped across his back here. A beautiful bobblehead presented by HEB. That game will be broadcast on Kins 5. That's Sunday, January 19th. And new this year, you can watch every game Kins 5 broadcasts on Kins5.com and on the Kins 5 app. So download our app. It's free. And watch all the Kins 5, uh, watch all the Spurs games you can on Kins 5. And follow Kins 5 for all your Spurs coverage, too. We've got David Flores breaking down every game. We do a game blog during the games as well. Evan Klosky on air. Bringing the deep dives of whether or not DeMar's an all-star. Twitter, too. Twitter, too. Be I'll sure pop to... off sometimes. <laughs> but Kins 5 is your official station for the San Antonio Spurs, and we've got you covered. So, Evan, as I kind of hinted before that break there, Zion Williamson expected to return against the Spurs January 22nd. What does his return mean to this Pelicans team? Time is a flat circle. Uh, <laughs> let me just first get that out of the way. Zion Williamson got injured against San Antonio in the preseason. Now he'll make his NBA debut against the Spurs. I'm very unsure what's going to happen. You know, in these situations, there's a lot of hype built in. With the kitty gloves that the Pelicans have put Zion Williamson on, I cannot imagine he is going to play like 25 minutes out of the gate. Yeah. You know, he's going to get a little taste of the action. Having said that, is giving him a little taste going to mess with a ton of rotations? The Pelicans right now have been doing a lot better. I mean, they really stunk it up in, to begin the year, and they have played so much better as a unit. Just throwing Zion in mess with the equilibrium to start. He's obviously going to help. But when you mess up the rotations, there is a bit of cohesion that has to come with it. So I don't know. I don't know how it's going to affect things. Um, I think that... The Spurs are going to be amped up to play in that game because it's all going to be about Zion. It's going to be tons of attention, and they're going to want to shove it in their yeah. faces. So, um, I don't know. Uh, he's such a magnificent talent. I just, I just don't know enough about how many minutes he's going to play and if it's actually going to cause more harm than good for the Pelicans in the short term. Exactly. I mean, yeah, the, they've eased him into this process, and there's been a lot of conversation about if he was even going to return this season, if they shut him down, and the ways, you know, the 76ers shut down Embiid and Simmons, and mm -hmm. going back, you know, the Clippers shut down Blake Griffin. People shut down their number one picks, their young stars, to kind of preserve them for the future, because that's why you draft them, to be the yeah. future. This is a team, I mean, they built to, to play around Zion. When you trade Anthony Davis, you bring in Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, uh, even the guys they drafted. Jackson Hayes is a guy who's complimentary, I think, to Zion Williamson. Uh, I don't, uh, yeah, like you said, they're probably not going to work him in as the number one focal right off the bat here. Uh, when he's out there on the court, they might go through him, but they probably don't want to mess with what's working. I mean, Brandon Ingram, like we mentioned, is a fringe all-star guy. He's on that second tier of all-star. Uh, but do the Spurs have a guy who can match up against Williamson? Is it is it Pirtle? Is it Aldridge? Probably not Aldridge. I, I'm probably going to be Rudy Gay, yeah. and you're not going to like the answer. Uh, it's going to be a battle. I mean, shoot. You're going to have to create some sort of tiered system where uh, Pirtle can help down low and then Rudy can help up high. Maybe against Zion you go zone. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it mitigates his size. If he wants to get in there, Pirtle can help out. If he wants to go shoot threes, I mean, go do it. Yeah. You know, I'd rather Zion live 
again, sometimes you got to take the risk. If Zion's going to beat you and hit four three-pointers, then you just tip your cap. I'd rather him live out there than live inside getting easy buckets. Yeah. So uh, it's a good question. Does his return, in your mind, mean that the Pelicans think they can make a push to the playoffs? Or is this just to kind of start getting him in sync with the guys on this roster? Uh, I think think it's both i think zion's healthy he's mm-hmm. ready to go he must be healthy if they're playing I mean, they gotta force him back yeah. with injury yeah you know um very similar injury i believe to what lonnie walker had last year mm-hmm. so um you know it's not like this is supposed to be a year-end surgery i know they're working on his biometrics and whatnot uh uh but I think that the Pelicans, just like the Spurs, just like the Grizz, just like the Suns, just like the T-Wolves to an extent. Just, I mean, we can go down the list. The eighth spot is up for grabs. It, yeah. it, it is going to be an absolute war to get into that last slot. Yeah. And anyone can get in uh, in the West. Uh, theoretically, um, you know, I think we can rule out teams. But <laughs> I couldn't say that, like, uh, you know, there's one team in particular, you know, if if Carl Anthony Towns comes back and they go on a run, I mean, they were a great team with him. So, and yeah, I mean, Portland, for instance, I mean, Nurkic is going to come back at some point. <laughs> I time. forgot to mention what are they going to do. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when Nurkic comes back, that's going to be huge. Uh, I mean, talk about a really disappointing team. I mean, yeah. you know, but they just beat the Rockets last night. So yeah. the, the, things could be clicking for them in the second the West, half. Yeah. The, the West is crazy, and as we mentioned last podcast, uh, I don't even think the Lakers, who are the number one seed, they might be you know, peaking too early. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's way too early to bring this up, but because it's the big fun pot, I'm going to do it anyways. Uh, we got to keep it big. We got to keep it fun here. Does this have shades of Odin Durant 2.0? You know, go back to that draft more than a decade ago, the Portland Trailblazers take a big man, Greg Odin, mm-hmm. who's had some injury concerns, missed his first season, came back, kind of tried to play through injury. Turns out, you know, he couldn't do it. He kind of out of the league after a few years. Uh, meanwhile, Kevin Durant, that second pick, Seattle Supersonics at the time, mm-hmm. now the Oklahoma City Thunder, turns out to be an all-time great player. I'm not saying that Ja Morant is going to be an all-time great. But with the way the league is constructed, where we're trending towards more guard-focused play, was it smart to pick Williamson, and will this injury kind of be a concern down the line? I'm not really ready to go there quite yet. Like I I said, too early. (laughs) Too early, yeah. I think that... 10 times out of 10, I'm taking Zion over Ja. Yeah. And it was a really a 1A, 1B situation. And the, I'll say this. You're 1,000% correct about this being a guard-driven league. And maybe that leads us to believe that Ja Moran is more important, certainly more important to the Grizz. It allowed them to get rid of Conley, get yeah. some assets, and kind of move forward without actually like changing of the guard. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> but I like that one right off the dome. There we Respect go. Respect it. Don't hate it. All right. So we've got um, a spur pun. We've got, got guard pun. Okay, okay. We're just working our way in. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to be too forward here, but nonetheless, get it? All right. We've got to, we've okay, got to center gotta, this podcast okay. back. Uh. <laughs> I hate us. <laughs> All right. You guys have already stopped listening. Yeah, okay. So. <laughs> um, Okay, but getting back on track, yeah. Zion. What Zion can do, though, is he is a defensive end on a basketball court. He can shoot threes. He can play down low. He's beyond versatile with the ball. He can play above the rim. He can do things that John Morant cannot. That humans cannot. <laughs> I mean, most humans cannot. So when he is healthy, uh, he n- n- there's probably like I can list on my. List on my hand, just a, a group of people who can try to limit him. He is a, a bull yeah. on the court, and if he reaches his peak, I mean, he is one of the greater athletes we might see in the game. Yeah, like I said, way too early to mention. Hasn't even played a minute of regular season yeah. NBA basketball. Uh, an elite talent, a guy who, I mean, was touted as, like, the best prospect since Anthony Davis coming yeah. into the league here. Uh, I'm excited to see him play against the Spurs. I know it's going to be uh, kind of a, a, you know, it won't be hit his full potential that he can reach. I mean, it's rookie Zion Williamson in his first game. Uh, it's going to be a guy that the Spurs are going to have to play a lot and, and, and uh, in the Western Conference here, four games a season down the road. So we're going to see a lot of him down the line here and see how his eliteness goes. I like John Morant, though, and I like the the guards. I mean, finding a guard like him, uh, I know it's a lot of hype right now. He's shown a lot of flashes. Uh, he's a guy who can finish at the rim. We'll see if he develops into a, a Trey Young-style three-point shooter. Um, two really young guys in this draft that I think a lot of people said after those top two, quality kind of dra- drops yeah, a little I, bit. And I'll say this. I mean, if you're telling me the safer pick, 
certainly John Morant. Mm -hmm. Like, from day one when we were looking at the draft, John Morant is going to be a perennial all-star. He will be there year in and year out, uh, maybe starting next year. He's already making rumblings this year. He will be a stud, uh, barring any significant injury. He is going to be great. And, uh, but sometimes you have to go for the home run, right? You got to go get, yeah. So, you know, as as I'm saying, he's safe, and I don't think you can miss on a John Morant. And I, I mean, if you're buying stock, I'd put a a ton of it (laughs) on John Morant. Uh, with Zion, there are injury concerns. He's a huge dude playing in a, you know, in a tiny basketball court. His weight seems to be somewhat of an issue. He's playing in a foodie city, too. So, they're already talking about his biometrics, (laughs) trying to work his body. There's, Look, there's there's reasons to be concerned. I just um, the the ceiling is like all time great, and John Morant is like I mean Hall of Famer great. You know, I mean, yeah. they'd be really. Uh, this is not anything against John Morant. It's just when you can go for a transcendent talent uh, once in a lifetime, you go for it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another guy who I think we're seeing the ceiling kind of rise on this year is Shea Gilgis Alexander. We talked about him when going through our All Star tiers. He's turning in to be a, a guy who's going to be a perennial all star down the line here, right? Yeah. What did you uh, text me when uh, <laughs> when it came to SGA and dealing with Sam? Oh Presti? yes. Uh, so so as uh, you were saying, we need to talk about how you can't trade with Sam Presti. And I said, yes, it's one of the th- the things in life. You don't enter a land war <laughs> in Asia, and you don't trade with Sam Presti, former Spur, now with the uh, the yeah. Oklahoma Smith Center as the general manager there. A little Princess Bride there for you. So. <laughs> the uh, you know we we talk about the brain drain. Uh, a little bit from the Spurs executive staff. Sam Presti, certainly one of those names. Uh, phenomenal work. And honestly, just completely fleeced the Clippers. Yeah. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is on the fringe, and I think right there, to be an all-star this season. And the Thunder, who are in rebuilding mode, uh, they're already locked into the seventh seed, pretty much, uh, barring any sort of significant drop-off. Yeah. And they have all the picks in the world. Yeah. So not only to mention that, they might be able to trade some of those picks to get some great talent back. Yeah, I mean, you look at the history of what they've done with their picks in the past in Oklahoma City. I mean, Durant was taken when they were the Supersonics, but Westbrook, Adams, Harden, a plethora of young guys there. I mean... I, I know they traded uh, uh, Oladipo and got George back, and they sent Sabonis, uh, who was a guy who's turned out to be really good. Another yeah, guy and, taken in that press team. And that's the other thing with the Thunder. I mean, that was a, you know, they tried to make Sabonis into someone he wasn't. Yeah. They tried to make Oladipo, and, you know, Oladipo couldn't shine with what Those were like, the problem is yeah. when they had Rust, those pieces just didn't fit. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, another trade. I mean, that the Presti made this off season was trading Westbrook to Chris uh, to get Chris Paul. And I mean, looking at the season as it is now, do you think the Rockets would rather have Chris Paul on this team the way they're playing? I mean, they are a worse team right now than they were last I year. I mean, you would you would look at them last year and say they probably. I mean, it's a personality thing. If Harden mm-hmm. wasn't a fan of Chris Paul anymore, then it d- doesn't matter what they would have looked like. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, if if Harden is happier with Russ, then that's what you have to do when your superstar drives the decisions. I mean, LeBron James has been making GM decisions his entire career. That is what happens when you have a superstar. Yeah. They lead the charge. When they want something fixed, you fix it because you don't want them leaving, a la Kawhi Leonard, you know. Who was the impetus to making this trade in the first place? He Mm -hmm. wanted the Clippers to bring in Paul George, you know, and that's why they kind of went to the Mm -hmm. the the report is they went to the Thunder and said, "What's it going to take?" And that's when Sam Presti went, "Yeah, Shaquille Alexander Mm -hmm. and every pick you have, kind of thing." (laughs) Uh, And somehow Drake found his way into the story this week. I don't know if you saw that Leonard and uh, Paul George met up at uh, Drake's home in Los Angeles to to plan all this. Oh, okay, yeah. So So the Clippers are one thousand (laughs) percent not winning the championship this year. It's got the Drake. Touch the the Drake curse is real. It's continued to the the NFL too. It's it's everywhere. Yeah, it's yeah, inescapable. Yeah. So. It is. Hate to see it. So yeah, don't trade with Oklahoma City. I think we've learned that now. Uh, it's almost like Bill Belichick in the NFL. Yep. If Belichick wants one of your guys. You look and say, what does he have? What are we not doing with him? Because we need to hold on to him. Uh Uh, And and yeah, so I mean, that's Presti's one of those guys. Spurs brain Dane, like you said. Um, Turning our eyes back to the Spurs then, I want to take a look at something that's been driving us batty here Mm -hmm. in the office. We we end every episode by taking a look at something that's driving us batty. Uh, We've got the the blackboard out. We've got the the corkboard out. We've got the red string. um, We've got some salary cap things to talk about coming this offseason. Because... 
Jakob Pertl is a guy whose name has popped up in mm-hmm. trade talks. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks are apparently interested in trading for Jakob Pertl. Do the Spurs need to hold on to him, and how much are they going to have to pay to keep Jakob Pertl here? So first, let me just say that we have heard time and time again the the buzzword expressed interest, okay? Uh, the Magic have expressed interest in DeMar DeRozan. The Blazers expressed interest in LaMarcus Aldridge. Yeah, yeah. it just, you know, it's essentially due diligence. Teams are doing due diligence. The Spurs are answering phone calls. As a GM, uh, that is your job, yeah. to talk about it. And here, you know, if you run a fantasy football team or whatever, and you have a friend that calls you and says, hey, I want this, you hear him out, you play under your rules, you don't like him, you don't do it. So, Not in my league. No one you, trades in my no league. But. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get into a more fun I know, league. right? Uh, you got to get into a big fun league. <laughs> big but, fun league. But uh, besides that... So the, the news was that the Hawks have expressed interest in Jakob Pertl. I do not understand what uh, the Spurs would do to trade him. Uh, you know, obviously the Hawks want to make him a, a piece moving forward. Uh, what that trade would look like, um, I don't know yeah. because – if I'm the Spurs, I'd want something significant back. Obviously, the Hawks are not giving you a first-round pick. It's way too valuable for them. And, uh, you know, if you're trading with them and it's protected, what's the point? You know exactly where they're going to land. It just... Uh they're young guys that you want are untouchable too. Trey Young, John Collins, yeah. they're not parting ways with those yeah, guys. Yeah, and, and you know maybe they'll throw you. Um, who's the guy they took out of Virginia this year? Uh, blanking out his name. Yeah, DeAndre Hunter. Thank you. Uh, you know maybe may, I don't know if they've given up on him and they say, hey, you know we'll do this. Yeah. But then if they're doing that, it's like, mm, what am I missing here? Exactly. You know why are you giving up on him so quickly? So um, I, I do not think the Spurs will trade Jakob Pertl. Now, getting back to your question, which is, what will it cost? Very good question. So I, I was doing some digging, and I think the, the most comparable contract I could find was Mason Plumley. All right, very similar players, rim protectors. Plumley's a little better of a scorer. Yak, better pr- rim protector. Yeah. Pretty equal at rebounding. Fairly equal at field goal percentage. So um, he was making uh, his last contract was three years, $41 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, which leads me to believe that Yak is probably leaning towards a a four years sixty to sixty five million dollar deal. Um, I would imagine that the Spurs are going to try to keep him, mostly because the Spurs are one of those organizations that values continuity so much. Yeah, I mean they do not like bucking the trend. They don't make trades. Right? I mean, yeah. what was the last one with Austin Day? Austin, <laughs> exactly. Know? So um, it goes Zags. Uh, but besides that. Uh, they don't make trades. They like coming into to training camp, having the same bodies, building off of last year. This is the system. It's tough to learn. This is what you have to do. Yak, from year one to year two, has shown great progression under this system. He's found his role. And to me, that is a piece you got to keep moving forward. Some money is going to clear out. Look, if you don't sign DeMar DeRozan, that's $29 million. Yeah, that opens up. Opens right up. So, you know, and then a year after, Rudy Gay's gone. LaMarcus, you got to decide with him. Uh, You know, Marco's gone next year. That money comes off the books. Bryn Forbes might be gone, even though he wasn't getting paid that much. There's a lot of wiggle room here, and I just think Yak fits into that picture. The Spurs are not a team that makes decisions based on emotions, but if you do let DeMar walk this offseason, and then you do lose Yaka Pirtle, all you get out of that Kawhi Leonard trade is Kelvin Johnson now. You know, mm-hmm. those were the two pieces they brought in, sending Kawhi Leonard to Danny Green. Suddenly, you look back at that trade. At the time, it was like, what's going to be? Who won this trade? Who lost this trade? Right now, you would say the Raptors won this trade. They got a championship out of it. Um, but the, the Spurs did get some valuable pieces. DeMar has been, like we said, an elite player. They just haven't capitalized on that. And Jakob Pertl has turned into one of the fundamental young guys on this team. One of the, the three young guys who are playing significant minutes right now mm-hmm. for the Spurs. Um, so don't don't lose him because then, yeah, then you clearly lose the, the you, Leonard and trade. You can't yeah. think like that. And we can do um – you know, maybe during All Star Week or something, we can take a full podcast and talk about the reverb, like where the Spurs are and, and how monumental that Kawhi trade and, and the decisions they made afterwards. Because we mentioned Brandon Ingram in this podcast, yeah. and they could have gotten Brandon Ingram, I think, in a deal for DeMar, but they were so adamant about not sending him to LA, about not giving Kawhi what he wanted. Yeah. And they took the best available, which was DeMar and Yak, did not care how it even fit. 
Yeah. They, I mean, DeMar does not fit into the system. They have now figured out a way for him to thrive and to do things where LaMarcus had to take a step back. But they literally took a jigsaw puzzle, puzzle piece from another box, threw it onto their picture, and just, said, just slammed it into the spot and said, boom, finish. That works. Yeah, we did yeah. it. Uh, so, you know, um, we can save that for another day. But in the end, if, if Yak is going to be someone that can gel with – um, Derek and, DeJounte, and by the way, Derek yeah. and Yak were great together. Mm-hmm. And Derek White's going to be part of your future. So if Derek White's going to be part of your future, I think Yak has to be his his ride or die in that yeah. sort of situation. I still have dreams of the future when we were starting Dejounte Murray, Derek White, Lonnie Walker, and Yaka Pertle, and maybe Lucas Shamanich all together on the floor. It's a beautiful picture. <laughs> yeah, and I just think that when you think about their core, they need that rim protector. Yeah. You know, in the modern NBA, centers have you know, gone by the wayside offensively speaking, but defensively in the restricted area, since that teams want to live beyond the arc and right next to the basket, Pirtle thrives. He is a tremendous defensive player and he has extreme value for a team that sucks defensively, yeah. if we're being honest. You mentioned, I mean, you said three years, 60 million, I think is what you came up to. Four, four years, six four, million. Four to 60, 65. Yeah, you're aiming at like 15 to 16 million a Something year. Something like that. If a team like, say, the New York Knicks mm-hmm. comes in and says, we like this big man, we don't have enough big men, we, 25 we million all a year. Of them. <laughs> and they offer him 20 million a year. Do the Spurs jump? Do they say, you know, go make your money, do your thing? Or do they match that offer? It would be a really tough call. There, yeah. there is a... We, you know, uh, tipping point uh, is a word I'll use a lot. Uh, there is a tipping point. There is wiggle room. Maybe $18 million I'm willing to do, $20 million not so much. Yeah. There is a point where how much do you want to pay to – how much do you want to pay for a rim protector? Yeah. Then it gets to an egregious level. Then you start wondering, well, maybe I can make Metu into our rim protector and build around him and, yeah. you know, pluck somebody else who's cheap – Maybe I get Plumlee for cheaper. Then you start looking at how we can fill that void, and maybe you don't have the guy you wanted for the role, but you have a guy who can fill that role. So, yes, let's see what the market says because, of course, they have to match it. But, yes, they are not 100% locked into Yakov. A team wants to give him tons of dollars way over his ask, way over the price that I think is reasonable, then you just got to let him go, and that's part of, owning a franchise and managing your cap and fight another battle. So just like the San Antonio Spurs, we didn't even get to Chazier Metu until the end of the podcast here. You know? <laughs> and of course, we didn't even bring up Damari Carroll, just like the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah. So uh, maybe we'll get to them next week. We'll have to see. Yeah. Um, but for now, I mean, this is where we, we're, you know, we're running out of time here. Evan's got to go do the, the 4 p.m. show here, okay. the sports anchor. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter. We're at Big Fun Pod. Follow Evan. Are you at Evan Klosky? Yeah. Is that mm-hmm. correct? I'm Jackson at JacksonKins5. Uh, we've got all your Spurs coverage there. Evan's great at tweeting during the games. I need to be better about it. I'm going to be better about yeah. it. Um, For me, that's the great part about my job, though, is I get to watch the game. I got to edit the game, but I get to watch it. Yeah. So will he be there on Twitter? On Kins5.com, the Kins5 app with all your Spurs coverage. Evan's on TV, breaking it all down for you. We'll see you next time here on the Big Fun Pod.